Book One, Chapter Twenty One of Off on a Comet. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Off on a Comet by Jules Verne. Book One, Chapter Twenty One. Chapter Twenty One Winter Quarters. The habitation that had now revealed itself well-lighted and thoroughly warm was indeed marvelous. Not only would it afford ample accommodation for Hector Servadoc and his subjects, as Ben Zoof delighted to call them, but it would provide shelter for the two horses, and for a considerable number of domestic animals. This enormous cavern was neither more or less than the common junction of nearly twenty tunnels, similar to that which had been traversed by the explorers, forming ramifications in the solid rock and the pores, as it were, by which the internal heat exuded from the heart of the mountain. Here, as long as the volcano retained its activity, every living creature on the new asteroid might brave the most rigorous of climates. And as Count Tomaschev justly remarked, since it was the only burning mountain they had sighted, it was most probably the sole outlet for Galia's subterranean fires, and consequently the eruption might continue unchanged for ages to come. But not a day, not an hour, was to be lost now. The steam launch returned to Gorby Island, and preparations were forthwith taken in hand for conveying man and beast, corn and fodder, across to the volcanic headland. Loud and hearty were the acclamations of the little colony, especially of the Spaniards, and great was the relief of Nina, when Servadoc announced to them the discovery of their future domicile, and with requickened energies they labored hard at packing, anxious to reach their genial winter quarters without delay. For three successive days the Dobrynya, laden to her very gunwale, made a transit to and fro. Ben Zoof was left upon the island to superintend the stowage of the freight while Servadoc found abundant occupation in overlooking its disposal within the recesses of the mountain. First of all, the large store of corn and fodder, the produce of the recent harvest, was landed and deposited in one of the vaults. Then on the 15th, about fifty head of live cattle, bullocks, cows, sheep, and pigs, were conveyed to their rocky stalls. These were saved for the sake of preserving the several breeds, the bulk of the island cattle being slaughtered, as the extreme severity of the climate ensured all meat remaining fresh for almost an indefinite period. The winter which they were expecting would probably be of unprecedented length. It was quite likely that it would exceed the six months' duration by which many Arctic explorers have been tried. But the population of Galia had no anxiety in the matter of provisions. Their stock was far more than adequate, while as for drink, as long as they were satisfied with pure water, a frozen sea would afford them an inexhaustible reservoir. The need for haste in forwarding their preparations became more and more manifest. The sea threatened to be unnavigable very soon, as ice was already forming which the noonday sun was unable to melt. And if haste were necessary, so also were care, ingenuity, and forethought. It was indispensable that the space at their command should be properly utilized, and yet that the several portions of the store should all be readily accessible. 
On further investigation, an unexpected number of galleries was discovered, so that, in fact, the interior of the mountain was like a vast beehive, perforated with innumerable cells, and in compliment to the little Italian, it was unanimously voted by the colony that their new home should be called Nina's Hive. Their first care of Captain Servadac was to ascertain how he would make the best possible use of the heat which nature had provided for them so opportunely and with so lavish a hand, by opening fresh vents in the solid rock, which by the action of the heat here was capable of fissure. The steam of burning lava was diverted into several new channels, where it could be available for daily use, and thus Mochel, the Dobrina's cook, was furnished with an admirable kitchen, provided with a permanent stove, where he was duly installed with all his culinary apparatus. "'What a saving of expense it would be!' exclaimed Ben Zoof, "'if every household could be furnished with its own private volcano.' The large cavern at the general junction of the galleries was fitted up as a drawing-room, and arranged with all the best furniture both of the Gorby and of the cabin of the Dobrina. Hither was also brought the schooner's library, containing a good variety of French and Russian books. Lamps were suspended over the different tables, and the walls of the apartment were tapestried with the sails and adorned with flags belonging to the yacht. The curtain of fire extended over the opening of the cavern provided it, as already stated, with light and heat. The torrent of lava fell into small rock-bound basin that had no apparent communication with the sea, and was evidently the aperture of a deep abyss, of which the waters, heated by the descent of the eruptive matter, would no doubt retain their liquid condition long after the Galean Sea had become a sheet of ice. A small excavation to the left of the common hall was allotted for the special use of Servadac and the Count. Another on the right was appointed to the lieutenant and Ben Zoof, whilst a third recess, immediately at the back, made a convenient little chamber for Nina. The Spaniards and the Russian sailors took up their sleeping quarters in the adjacent galleries and found the temperature quite comfortable. Such were the internal arrangements of Nina's hive. The refuge where the little colony were full of hope that they would be able to brave the rigors of the stern winter time that lay before them a winter time during which galia might possibly be projected even to the orbit of jupiter where the temperature would not exceed one twenty-fifth of the normal winter temperature of the earth the only discontented spirit was isaac hakabut throughout all the preparations which roused even the spaniards to activity the jew still incredulous and deaf to every representation of the true state of things, insisted upon remaining in the creek at Gorby Island. Nothing could induce him to leave his tartan, where, like a miser, he would keep guard over his precious cargo, ever grumbling and growling. But with his weather eye open in the hope of catching sight of some passing sail, it must be owed that the whole party were far from sorry to be relieved of his presence. His uncomely figure and repulsive countenance was a perpetual bugbear. He had given out in plain terms that he did not intend to part with any of his property, except for current money, and Servadoc, equally resolute, had strictly forbidden any purchases to be made, hoping to wear out the rascal's obstinacy. Hakabut persistently refused to credit the real situation. He could not absolutely deny that some portions of the terrestrial globe had undergone a certain degree of modification, 
but nothing could bring him to believe that he was not, sooner or later, to resume his old line of business in the Mediterranean. With his wanted disrupts of all with whom he came in contact, he regarded every argument that was urged upon him only as evidence of a plot that had been devised to deprive him of his goods. Repudiating, as he did utterly, the hypothesis that a fragment had become detached from the earth, he scanned the horizon for hours together with an old telescope, the case of which had been patched up till it looked like a rusty stovepipe, hoping to decry the passing traitor with which he might effect some bartering upon advantageous terms. At first he professed to regard the proposed removal into winter quarters as an attempt to oppose upon his credulity, but the frequent voyages made by the Dobrina to the south, and the repeated consignments of corn and cattle, soon served to make him aware that Captain Servadoc and his companions were really contemplating a departure from Gorby Island. The movement set him thinking. What, he 